I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's, everything's coming, coming up, Simpsons. Simpsons. episode is brought to you by the book, Coping with Loss. <laughs> mm. We're also brought to you by a lock of MacGyver's hair. Ooh. I don't just exactly know. Just add it to the ball. I don't exactly know how that has money to provide for us, but I don't ask those questions. I just show up and look pretty. Uh, and we yes, are you also... Do. Thank, thank you. I was waiting for that uh we are also brought to you by magic beans (laughs) curse you magic beans uh we are of course talking about the episode homer the vigilante this is the 11th episode of the fifth season of the simpsons it originally aired on january 6th 1994 it was written by John Swartzwelder. Woo, woo, woo. Woo, woo, woo. It was directed by Jim Reardon, and the showrunner at the time was David Merkin. Get those Merk heads. Get those Merk heads going. <laughs> Get them going. <laughs> Allie, mm. you were not here. <laughs> you were not here for our last episode. How you doing? I'm much better. Uh, that was insane. This is the first time in all of our Simpsons podcasting history that uh, I missed an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I was. it was a thing where Julia texted saying that she was uh, about to head out the door and then I woke up at that time (laughs) and it was like three in the afternoon so it was not like an early morning it was that I had fallen asleep resting not at work it I mean how did it go it well (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll let my critics tell me that (laughs) it went great our guest was uh, listeners you know our guest was Lisa Curry which I suggested actually because I was so excited about having her on Mm -hmm. I'll just have to listen to the first for the first time ever but I I wanted to mention uh, you know we had a text back and forth when you asked me afterward how it went and uh, I said great Uh, I think I spent a whole 10 minutes determining um, you know we would now find out who was the mommy and who was the daddy of this podcast and I said did you find out no gender is fluid Um, (laughs) that is actually what we found out but we you were missed I wanted to touch on Ah, that Uh, welcome back it's good to be home it's good to be home (laughs) Um, and with that I mean so this is our last episode of 2018 before we flush the year down the toilet which way is it gonna go (laughs) (laughs) and I cannot think of a better way to uh, you know we we've had a great year but to wrap it up with the John Swartzwelder episode I feel is just a you can't you can't see it listeners but I'm Italian kiss. Ooh, yeah, I'm excited. Um, uh, not only because this episode, but because we're finally having this guest on the show, who I Julia always intros. But if I may, I'd love to intro our guest this time. So he is one of my strongest and greatest collaborators. In that, like, aside from you, Julia, I really do most of my stuff solo. But our guest is someone that I have written music with and written scripts with, and we work together at Mad Magazine, and uh, we have a uh, concept album that we actually raised funds to go to the little dogs and cats during the hurricane. Yeah. Um, What's it called? It's called Dog Songs. And there's a song that he he actually inspired the whole thing. He wrote a song about John Wick's dog. Uh, and I was like, we need to put this out into the world. And so then I wrote a song about Santa's Little Helper. Mark Hoppus wrote a song about the dog from uh, National Lampoon Vacation. Uh, Mike Kroll did some stuff. Uh, Nerf Wasn't Herder. Jonah Ray on there, too. Jonah Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, please welcome to the podcast uh, associate editor of Mad Magazine, uh, musician, comedian, writer, Casey Boyd. Hello. Hello. Hi. 
Hey, thank you for that wonderful introduction. I didn't know I did so many things. You did. It was yeah. It was actually great because Casey, um, Casey is absolutely one of my very closest friends, and uh, it's a joy when you get to kind of bring, you know, because in this town, in any town, really, you have different groups of friends. They don't always overlap, but I would say that Julia and Casey are like equally close to me, but kind of not necessarily like in the same hangout. I'm not necessarily going to find you guys hanging out without right. me yet. Let's see how yeah, the podcast yeah. goes. Um, <laughs> this is a, a, a real test. And- and sure I just want to say, you mentioned off podcast that you didn't get much sleep last night because you were nervous, and yeah, I'm going to say that, that that was earned That's because a- <laughs> you should be you should be nervous. Um, well, I still am. I'm only so walking out are. one friend after this podcast. I mean, I just learned that uh, I'm that you know you told me that you collaborate with him almost as much as you collaborate with me, and I just feel like. It's going to be a real test. Now we will find out who the mommy and who the daddy is. And I think both of them are you. And I'm the child trying Aww. to get your validation. Anytime, kiddo. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. This episode is so funny and it's really, really underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing about why Casey's a great person for this episode is because as much as I talk about the Swartzwalder books, I rarely give credit to the person who actually introduced me to them, and that is Casey Boyd. Yeah, I am the biggest. I mean, it's... So what happened was I, I got sent the list of episodes, and I, I all I did was I went through them, and I was like, there's got to be a Swartzwalder episode. Yeah. Yeah. I need to do a Swartzwalder, because he's, yeah. you know, one of my, one of my heroes mm-hmm. and one of those guys, if I read any, anything written by him, I... Everything I write thereafter is in his voice for a week. Oh my god! After I read him, absolutely. Yeah. So I, Which is really Rex to. Banner's voice. If it's we're true. being real, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to read. We talk about his his. I guess we'll call them novellas because they're a little bit on the shorter side. Um, but we talk about them all the time, and you know, you get like the hint that it could just be read in Rex Banner's voice, and maybe John Swartzwelder is Rex Banner. Then mm-hmm. it like never leaves you. It's really hard it's because they're all detective novels too. They are. Yeah. So it has that. Kind kind of, you know, hyped up, like, film noir, you mm-hmm. know, Pulp Fiction-y kind of thing, yeah. He, it's also dangerous, in a way, reading his stuff, because he makes it... He, he It's always very inspiring, reading his stuff, and, the, and he, because he makes it look seem so easy. Mm-hmm. He just has this way of writing that's just him speaking, and it's very, it's all, it's always very clever and smart, but it, it, it seems so simple. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, well, I can do this. Anybody right. could do this. Right, right, right. Uh, Which is what great writers and artists do, making mm-hmm. it look effortless. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Sam Wiles, who has been on the podcast before, uh, was submitting stuff to Mad Magazine and uh, was showing us some of his work and referring to it as, this is the period where I was just trying to uh, write like John Swartzwalder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, as uh, as Casey said, like, and we've talked about this in the podcast before, like, cert- you watch a certain thing, you hear a certain thing, and you can't get that type of, like, tone out of your head. Mm-hmm. I've said before, if I see Dana Gould, I'm going to talk a little bit like Dana for a while. Yeah, yeah. I've become kind of a cadence sponge oh, for yeah. a lot of people. Um, Mulaney is a huge one. Mulaney. Sure. He's my favorite yeah. comedian. Uh, he just he rules so hard. But um, I think that you know, especially when you read somebody that you know their voice is so strong and so clear, 
when I was growing up, uh, I was that angsty teenager that was like, no thanks, guys. I'm reading Hunter S. Thompson and was like, <laughs> and genuinely enjoyed it. But let's be real. That was also to kind of, it was a performative choice for sure. me to seem different. Um, but his voice is very strong, but it's very similar to John Swartzwelder. You yourself are a writer. Would you find that, you know, did you, are you still in the phase of emulating John Swartzwelder or do you oh, find yourself? I think in perpetuity. I yeah. think for the rest of my life, I will be chasing that dragon, as it were. Right, I think course. it's a, a big part of the reason I live in Los Angeles now is because I grew up watching The Simpsons and specifically was, you know, I've always been drawn to his episodes. I might not have known it when I was a kid, but yeah. I definitely know it now. Mm-hmm. And here I am just trying to, you know, and I read his books. It, it, his books to me are like The Office. The Office mm-hmm. is something I will always watch for the rest of my life. The British or American? Uh, the American. Mm-hmm. I love the British one. But mm-hmm. the American one, I just, uh, my girlfriend and I fall asleep to it every night. It's just <laughs> the thing that's on in our apartment always, mm-hmm. uh, whether we're paying attention to it or not. Yeah. His books are going to be the things that I'm always reading. Oh, yeah. I, I'm just going to cycle through them for the rest of my Unless life. Unless I have a copy that I won't give back, which is something that I think was the case for about a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't lend me your book, people. No, no, I think that you that's might still have just one. when you know your close friends. Sure. You know? Yeah, and you just buy you another one. You have my copy of Juliet Naked. I do, and I'll <laughs> never give it back. Shant, I saw the movie, and I probably won't read the book, but I'm keeping it just to spite you. Uh, what about John Swartzwelder's work would you say makes it uh, truly great and a great cornerstone for any future comedy writer? Oh, boy. That's a, that's a, I know. That's Big a doozy question. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, what I love about his uh, work, specifically on The Simpsons, is that when you're watching his, because, you know, Episodes aren't necessarily written by one person. They right. they always get credited to one person, but it's a group process, and it goes through notes and revisions, and other people add their jokes. When you're watching an episode of The Simpsons from the golden era, or whatever we, we want to call it, you can specifically point at a moment and go, oh, that's a Swartzwelder Absolutely. Joke. You know, he's just, he's got that. That's very specific. Uh, I, I remember listening to an edit, uh, the editor's commentary, not editor's, director's commentary on one episode. <laughs> Get out of that magazine world. <laughs> Don't bring your bullshit work into I this room. Uh, <laughs> I'm two against one. Wait a minute. <laughs> a character gets clubbed in the head and he sa- I forget who it is, but he goes, down I go. Yes. As, as he collapses to the floor and, there, and everybody laughs. In the room and says that's such a Swartzwelder joke, you yeah. know, and it's just he's got that that voice that no one else has. And the old timey radio, exactly. Yeah. And we've sure. talked about that mm-hmm. before, but exactly like you know, they're giving you that if you were listening to a radio program, you need to say "Down I Go" because otherwise you don't know that <laughs> the character right. fell yeah. down, right. and how much funnier it is for a character who we are watching fall <laughs> down. But <science>. also, <laughs> it is it is I'm sure what you know like wrinkled his brain uh, as a kid listening to that stuff Mm -hmm. of like nobody in real life says stuff like this and it's so absurd if you were to actually witness it so you know we all have those moments and probably over the Simpsons and bonding with our siblings or our friends over like this is so absurd nobody would ever why would they put this in and I love that he's bringing that kind of silliness into the Simpsons absolutely and I also love that we just kind of have to take 
Uh, everyone who works at The Simpsons, we have to take their word for it that he exists. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a shut-in. Or... I love a good legend like yeah. that, though. It's, yeah. It's great. It adds to the whole mystique. There's mm-hmm. that uh, amazing uh, audio segment that you could find on YouTube now where um, during a commentary they decided to call up Schwarzwalder. They they get a hold of him and they talk to him and at the end of it they go, too bad this wasn't really John Schwarzwalder. <laughs> 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 Just continuing that mystique. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, if you really know the characters, or if you really know the writer's voice, there are certain times when you'll hear a character say something that's so in their voice that it's almost off-putting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys felt that. To jump ahead, just one line. When Grandpa... Uh, <gasps> I can't believe... I highlighted this too, <laughs> Allie. Are we not related in some cosmic way? Can... Take it away, oh. please. So, on the topic of jokes that you go, holy shit this is i almost didn't curse and then i cursed um this is such a conan joke and i i love it love it love it so um as you know they're trying to form basically their vigilante team Mm -hmm. and abe simpson volunteers and he's trying to make a case for him um you know one of the points that he makes is and who chased the irish out of springfield village in that four me that's who (laughs) and then we cut to uh what is essentially a leprechaun man Sure is. A, a caricature of an Irishman, and it says, uh, and a fine job you did, too. <laughs> I also want to say, we're not also sponsored by, uh, you know, this podcast, but Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is a fantastic podcast that has um, just started airing, and if you are a Simpsons fan or a fan of our Simpsons podcast, uh, which I'm guessing you are, unless you're <laughs> on a road trip against your will, um, <laughs> listening to this, um, you know, holidays and all, um, I think that uh, every Everybody would enjoy it because it's it's you know got the Conan-iness and and you just get to hear him. He trails off into basically this Irish character way more times than you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> He's got about three voices and this is one of them. But yeah, I, I love uh, being able to you know sort of decipher whose jokes are whose and being that intimate with the Simpsons world in that way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's actually take a quick break and then get into the episode. Mm. Uh, let's all think about our favorite Conan moments. Okay. Is there a dog in a car at a bar on the street? Yay! I'm Allegra Ringo, a small dog owner. My dog Pistachio howls when she's excited. And I'm Renee Culvert, a big dog owner. My dog Tugboat tips over when he's sleepy. And we co-host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog that airs every Tuesday. We bring you all things dog. Yes, dog news, dog tech, dogs we met this week. We also have pretty famous guests on Butt Legs. We're not going to let them talk about their projects. No. Just want to hear about those dogs. We don't want to hear about your stuff, only your dogs. So join us every Tuesday on Max Fun. Hey, that was fun. Yeah. What a good time. Yeah. What was your favorite Conan <laughs> moment? Uh, just thinking about him uh, in The Simpsons doing uh, Only I May Dance. Oh, that's sure. good. It's a classic. That's good. Yeah. I was thinking about him in those jeggings. Do you remember ah, the jeggings? Yes. Yeah. I was actually there for that taping that day. <laughs> wow. Oh, shout out to me. Very what cool. What about you, Casey? Uh, I was thinking about a specific sketch from the old Conan where uh, he had Slipknot on and then he brought in uh, <laughs> a, a vaudeville act called the Slipknuts. <laughs> oh, just... yeah. We're slipping on that. Yeah. John Glazer was part That's of right. it. And That's Brian right. Uh, John Glazer's so good. John Glazer's yeah. so good. Just three guys pouring a bunch of 
peanuts onto the stage, I think, <laughs> and then pretending to slip and singing a beautiful song. I, I also want to say, so you're talking about John Swartzwelder being, you know, one of your comedy icons yes. and influences, and, and I'll definitely include him in mine, um, but 90s Conan, you guys. Oh, my God. 90s Conan was Formative. so friggin' great. I mean, 90s, and, early Andy 2000s. Richter is so funny. He's so yes. funny. I want to say that I've seen that uh, Conan O'Brien, I want to say it's the 10th anniversary special or maybe 15th anniversary. 10th, I think. I've seen it so many goddamn times. Mm-hmm. It is so fucking funny. And you've got great triumph moments in that when oh, he man. goes to the episode one That's, um, line. That, oh, that my God. triumph is one of the greatest things ever. Yeah. Just triumph is one oh, of our Comic-Con greatest one? American mm-hmm. creations. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, him just, at, yeah, in line for the first Star Wars prequel. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess um, it wasn't Comic-Con. Yeah. 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 So yeah. good. Yeah. Speaking to a, a pregnant woman nerd saying that that's the last time your child is going to see a vagina. <laughs> I will always remember that child. I'll always remember that. And uh, the Darth Vader costume is saying, which one of these buttons calls, <laughs> calls your, your mom, mom to pick you yeah. up? <laughs> Beautiful. It's great. It's great. Uh, so, um, Julia. Yes. Uh, one of our segments on this show, Casey. Yes. Um, which I'm sure you know because you are probably an avid listener. I am. We <laughs> requested yeah. all of our guests. Um, is that for anyone that hasn't seen this episode in a while, we like to read the synopsis from Wikipedia Ice cold. Mm, Could be good. Could be bad. Usually bad. Usually bad. I will say that I've found a, if I were to create like a scientific chart, um, that the more recent episodes tend to be a little bit worse. Mm. And that people around this era of The Simpsons, they tend to give a little bit more detail. Let us see. In the episode, a crime wave caused by an elusive cat burglar plays Plague Springfield. Excuse me. Lisa is distraught. Thank you. Lisa is distraught to find her saxophone has been stolen, and Homer promises to get it back. The police are ineffective, so Homer takes charge of a neighborhood watch. However, under his leadership, it becomes more like a vigilante group and Mm. fails to catch the burglar. With the help of Grandpa, Homer discovers that the burglar is a charming senior named (gasps) Malloy. Spoilers! Mm. I know. Malloy is arrested, but he outwits the citizens of Springfield and escapes. Well? Well. (laughs) I will say... One of my points in watching this episode that I wanted to bring up, and I'll bring up now, um, that maybe this uh, synopsis is actually uh, true to basically the tone of of this episode because um, when it's revealed that it is Malloy, it doesn't seem to be that big of a surprise. It's or, not were much you guys of a surprised? mystery. No. Yeah. It's really not. They weren't trying to make a, mis- a mystery show because no. they broadcast it pretty strongly. I mean, even though the introduction of Malloy is kind of baked into a joke, which is kind of how you get away with things like this, mm-hmm. um, it is just we've never seen this person before. It's the fifth season of The Simpsons. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he just happens to appear. And then even later when um, Abe uh, reveals how he figured out it was Malloy. It's very obvious, and which yeah, we'll get it's very into. Comical. Yeah. yeah. So if you've read the the Time Machine, did it? Um, this really just feels like a segment of it, or like it felt like they turned that into a Simpsons episode because mm-hmm. the whole point of like the Frank Burley, ca- the detective character, is that he's a moron and he's constantly uh, deducing things that are very obvious, or like mm-hmm. he. Like he should, like we should all know, and it's kind of doing the same thing. And Grandpa is kind of, in some ways, uh, the Frank Burley character, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially when he says much more vertical than yeah, that's, that's. That's such yes. a uh, that's such a Frank Burley line. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I wonder if that is, you know, it, 
I mean, surely there are twists and turns that you don't necessarily see coming with that, but it's not really a mystery series, his books, with a capital M for mm-hmm. mystery. <laughs> um, uh, it's, you know, leaning more comedy, and I think that, true to that, it's a little lax on the mystery, heightened with the comedy. It's really more about spending time with that character and, you know, noticing the details of that world and that character's POV and finding that sometimes I feel like the mystery would be a distraction from that if we were truly like who done it sure yeah <laughs> in, this in is, a big this, way yeah this is who not, shot Mr. Burns this is not right. who shot Mr. Burns at yeah, all yeah yeah I think I think what this episode is is just a, a celebration of how stupid Springfield can be <laughs> yes 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 much more than any sort of mystery story yeah that it's fun to see Homer in this leadership role um, leading essentially an angry mob which we know Springfield loves themselves an angry mob mm-hmm. and there are a lot of really great moments with characters in Springfield so we got to you know this is see... a very a, very much a, an episode about Springfield yeah yeah, yeah. and it's fun because you get a lot of um, movie parodies throughout as well obviously the the major one being it's a mad bad mad mad world however right. many mads there are in that and we, gotta then... have, we gotta have a conversation about that movie <laughs> yes <laughs> have you guys seen yeah that movie? as a child you I saw it as a child I, I've never seen it but i have seen the movie rat race yeah okay which is essentially it's a mad 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 world um seth green is in it uh which is what appealed to me about it but that's i remember missing from the original it's a mad mad, mad yeah world. yeah that's what everybody said you know i think pauline kale wrote an essay about it needs more seth green <laughs> and it was one of those movies and i'm curious if you guys had this uh when you are you know not quite an adult, not quite at the age not of like. Not quite an adult, not, <laughs> not yet, yet a children, not yet a children. <laughs> but, but but you know those movies that you're like, kind of like in The Simpsons when uh, the kids ask Bart if he wants to go see an R-rated movie, and then they start chanting Bart, Bart and Fink. Um, I had a moment when I was I want to say twelve or thirteen, and it was you know kind of the first time when you're going to see a movie with just your friends, and you feel like such Ooh. an adult. That's a good day. I had two experiences with this. I took my friend Nicolette to go see um, the Royal Tenenbaums, and I did not quite understand it, but I felt very intellectual. And then I went to go see Rat Race, maybe a couple months later, and and like, like enjoyed this it. Is my colleague, yeah, enjoyed it a little too hard. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> just laughing with all the adults as if I were Stage an adult laughing as in the well. theater. That's yeah, very funny. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I, I saw this. Okay, so in preparation for being on on the podcast with you guys, I said, "Well, I, I this movie's been on my list forever." So, so I watched. First time? I sat down and watched. It's oh a my mad. God. Not, I, now I know there are four mads. It's a mm, mad, it's mad, a mad, 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 mad world. world. Um, and, I mean, this is probably the point of the podcast where I alienate some of your older viewers. No, go for it. That movie sucks, right? It's it's the longest movie ever made. Yeah. yeah. It's like three hours long. I should have cut down three of those mats. <laughs> I've never felt... I was born in 1983, so mm-hmm. I've always denied being a millennial. Sure. I'm right. a man without a generation. Yeah. I'm wedged in between without X a country, and millennials. I'm yeah. not a millennial. <laughs> uh, you know, people want us to sing more, I think. <laughs> I've never felt more like an impatient millennial yes. yeah. than I was watching this movie. It I, just I remember drags. feeling the same way. I saw it when I was like 12 or something. It's and, hard. And it's so slow. It yeah. starts with a six-minute 
theme song <laughs> yeah. with nothing on the screen. So there's like a full orchestra. Everybody's singing about it mm. being a mad world. And there's nothing. And and uh, Jesse, my girlfriend, and I were sitting on the couch just going, something's wrong. <laughs> right. Like we're like they fast forwarding and rewinding. <laughs> it's just a blank screen with a song. That came out in the 70s? Uh, 1963. Wow. Yeah. Okay, then I'm. Way it's a product off. of its time. Yeah, I, I. Yeah. So as we, as we in this room all know, but not everyone on this podcast knows, I'm obsessed. Thanks to Casey as well, uh, with a reality TV show called Love Island, oh, which Julia God. has since watched. I as well. I have the Apple TV where you could like push down the um, mic and just say Love Island, and then it comes <laughs> up, and it came up with a movie from the like it was a black and white movie mm. called Love Island, and of course. Back in the day, they used to do the um, the title sequence and the credits and all that stuff right, that right. you sit through to get a Marvel's Avenger clip at the end. Yeah, they yeah. basically do all the credits at, at the, the beginning. Top. Yeah, yeah, and um, sometimes you could do a good job with that. For example, It's a Wonderful Life has an excellent little thing because it's a woman who's like you know pulling the actual cards that have the writing on it, and uh, you know they could be charming about it, but. When it's six minutes and there's nothing happening, right. you start to wonder if there's something going on. And, right, then, right, there, right. and then there's an animated <laughs> sequence with the credits after the song. And the an, I mean, it's good time. animation. It's just, you know, it takes 15 minutes for the movie to start. I guess mm-hmm. that's when everyone was getting there. Like, everyone's like, let's all go to the that's lobby. True. Oh, and there's an yeah. intermission. It's yeah. so long that there's an intermission. Yeah. Things were so different. I mean, what a statement. <laughs> Things were so different back then. <laughs> but it's it's so interesting to me uh, how, like, our, our movie... Uh, patterns and and sort of rituals have changed so drastically that it's like time 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 but what i was going to say earlier about it's a mad 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 world wanted to add my polarizing gonna upset the older listeners uh opinion is recently i was at my friend's house and uh they were watching easy rider and i'd never seen Mm. it before and sat down and started to try to get into it that movie fucking sucks (laughs) (laughs) fucking blows don't hold Um, back but it's but it of course is emblematic of this this time and it was so you know uh, groundbreaking for for that specific time, and that was the seventies. And I thought that it's a mad, 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 mad world was part of that, just because of uh, knowing how transitional that time was for American cinema. That you know they were looking a lot to um, French New Wave and a lot of you know more European ways of of making films and trying to make it an art versus this you know previous very schlocky studio system kind of sure. thing. So yeah. perhaps that was grouped in there. I'm not sure. If we're all just pissing people off with our movie tape. Uh, I've said it before, I think, on the podcast, and they do a Simpsons reference of it, but I hate my dinner with Andre more than any movie on (laughs) earth. I hate it. I don't have as much vitriol, but I understand. Joe Quazala and I watched it together because for for a, I think for maybe five months, I think I got, no, I maybe got through four months of my movie a day. I was trying to do it for an entire year. And I have to say, four months of every single day of a movie is very hard. Um, and I'm impressed that I got that Unless far. you watch Goon every day, which is what I do. <laughs> yes, exactly. If it was just a movie a day, it'd be different. But I was doing a new movie that I'd never seen before. Right. And my downfall is that I was writing reviews of each one. Yeah. I should have just let myself have fun with it. But the biggest thing is that I forgot that TV exists. And then my favorite shows came back and was like, well, <laughs> this is <laughs> bad. Game over. But joke, it was really actually nice. It was a very nice social thing because I got to say, do you want to come over sometime? I watch a different movie every night. Mm-hmm. I was like, sure. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great reason to come over. Yeah. And uh, Joe and I were screaming at 
the screen because it was so dull and it was just like two people that think they're smarter than me talking. And, <laughs> and that's all they're doing, right? And that's all they it's do. Just, it, it's just, are, are there even any edits in it's that like movie? It's like a podcast. Yeah. Sure? <laughs> well, I will say, I mean, uh, I do feel like that was revolutionary for it. I mean, I would it was. group that into the transition of what American cinema means. I feel like that is a very European way of doing it, but it uh, the, the trend of what is essentially a play made into a, a film I feel mm-hmm. like is is very of that time, and you don't necessarily see that change now. I mean, Fences, we all remember Fences that came out recently, but at least that wasn't like one scene, but it was based on a play, and it, everyone said it felt very play like. It was very play like, yeah. yeah. So but Casey, we need more. So Casey, did you did you uh, do you have any more takeaways from watching this movie? How long is it? It's like, well, there are several versions. The version that we watched what? was the shortest version, and it was two hours and 40 minutes. That's longer than Aquaman, which felt like the entire, <laughs> like, it felt as big as the sea. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will say that there's a lot of physical comedy in the movie, which is kind of the point, and, and it has a ton of comedy royalty, which is also the point. So I appreciated parts of this movie. Yeah, it had that hilarious just, palm tree in it. It just kept going. <laughs> it, it also had insane stunts. We were just that like... That part's cool. It, I, but like we, you know, Jesse, my girlfriend, looked it up during the movie and she's like, oh yeah, no, a lot of people got really badly hurt. <laughs> That's like Milo <laughs> and Otis for people. Yeah. 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 So like we, I guess we appreciated that, the crazy car chases <laughs> where people were getting badly injured. Um, but I, It I was all know. worth it for it's a mad, mad, <laughs> I mean, mad, it, mad boy. It's essentially like a series of sketches, right? Because yeah. you're getting these little vignettes it's of a, people. It's a very long caper. And, yeah, and, yeah. And it's also very sexist, but again, it's a product of its time. Uh, Ethel Merman is in it, and she's incredible. Oh, yeah. She's I the mean, best. when is she not? Yes. Um, um, and, I mean, it's every, every single person who was fun, famous and funny when this movie came out is in this movie. Mm-hmm. So which for is that, what we have a lot important. of the times too, and those movies are usually my least favorite movies that come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it's like a murderer's row, and it's just so I usually know it's down. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that because I mean they all take a pay cut, but I I feel like just having all of that, it, it's such a, like a gimmick casting. And I what I especially don't understand is when they do that murderer's row gimmick casting for animated features. Yeah, like, because the kids don't fucking know I all don't they fucking hear. Care if it's Tina Fey. Yeah, and like you know what? Like they it's say, really like, bad for voice actors. It's really bad I for know. voice actors, and you don't. They're some people are pretty good at voice acting, but for the most part, they're not. Can I say something? I think you Please. can. Can I draw the line in the sand right fucking now? <laughs> I hope you will. <laughs> I'm pissed off. Me too. You want to know why? <laughs> Tell me why. Okay. You hear about this fucking Detective Pikachu bullshit? Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. You hear that this freaking guy, Ryan Reynolds, is the voice of Pikachu? He don't got enough shit going on? He don't got enough shit going on? <laughs> You're telling me that you couldn't get somebody else who does anything other than his fucking Deadpool voice? Mm-hmm. I'm pissed. Me too. It doesn't work for that character. No, it doesn't. If only there were professional voice actors. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. Because like, like voice actors, for the most part, 
don't get to work on screen because right. they're not like. And it's a relatively recent thing. I yeah. mean, by relatively, well, like I mean 90s. like the last yeah, yeah twenty years or so. Yeah. Uh, all they want are names for the posters. Which is so stupid, again, because yeah. kids don't know, and the best voice acting isn't going to come from those people, and it's not like the little kid is going to be like, Angelina Jolie! Like, right. Mm-hmm. And, right. And the parent, one might argue, like, well, they're trying to get the parents interested. And it's like, well, they're interested because their kid wants to go. Yeah, yeah they they're want their kid, they it. want a, an hour and a half of their kid not screaming. That's you know what it really is? Matters. A little bit, I, I think that, I, I read some article in psychology today about this where uh, and i'm gonna botch the science i'm just gonna stick to general beats but um the reason why they have people like john ham like doing voiceover in car commercials and other things like that is that your brain already associates this person with this sort of pleasure principle sure and so it activates something in your brain that makes you enjoy this and kind of traps you in that marketing cyclone i can understand that for commercials for commercial. but not for feature but i will say you you know, just on the other side, arguing that there are cases, of course, where the celebrity voice actor casting does work. Of course. Racket Ralph, um, John C. Riley is amazing. Anything as, as that, that Albert role. Brooks has ever done. Yes. Sarah Silverman is amazing, but she's trying. Well, it's like when you can tell who, really tell who it is. Yeah. Right? Bill I mean, because John C. Riley is always going to sound like John C. Riley. Right, right, right. But no, Sarah, Sarah's like trying a more mm-hmm. cartoonish version of her voice. And her voice, I'm mystified, hasn't been used in voiceover that much up until now. Um, and then I will also say that uh, shout out to Zachary Levi. This is from a couple years ago in Tangled. He was, I mean, he gives a shit in everything he does, but he was, you could tell, sincerely giving a shit. And that's what I appreciate. Good for him. Good for him. Anyway, he's in Maisel, <laughs> season two. That was other shows that are not The Simpsons, our favorite <laughs> segment. Now back to the program. Uh, well, speaking of uh, voice celebrity actors. voice actors. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I didn't even, re- I didn't realize until I watched it this time, which I am ashamed of, that it, that Sam Neill, the incomparable Sam Neill, mm-hmm. is the voice of Malloy. Mm-hmm. We all love Sam Neill, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's all of our dads. The greatest social media presence there is. Absolutely. The person we need, the person we want. And he also gives one of my favorite line reads of of any moment in Simpsons history when he says, uh, he he calls into uh, the... uh, (laughs) To yes, the show. smart line. To, yeah, yeah, smart, smart line. line. Yeah, this is our first caller, and I mean ever, because <laughs> this is not a call-in show. And uh, and he says, you know, to Homer, do you know who this is? And Homer says, Marge? <laughs> and and Malloy says, no, Homer, I'm not your wife. Which is just, just the perfect tone It really is. of You're disappointment. Just kinda, I'm just like, oh, I'm duping the wrong people. Yeah. Uh, it's so excellent. Um, so let's get into the episode from the top. Uh, yes. We start with a parody of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yes. Uh, a really delightful display of um, who we now know to be Malloy, but at the time was just a burglar, mm-hmm. um, coming in and taking everybody's stuff. So it, it's perfect because he, as evidenced by that smart line comment, is just not really aware of how stupid Homer's going to be. He is prepared to, like, do the intricacy of, like, breaking the doorknob and the Homer's keys are in it yes, with I Homer's it. name Beautiful on it. Beautiful joke. So good. And you get him kind of uh, giving sausages to Santa's little helper and mm-hmm. then Homer. It's just very beautiful. Yeah. Like, it, it, there's not been any dialogue yet and it's so good. Replacing the saxophone. With that little party favor blow what thing. What do you call those? I, I put birth- I put birthday kazoo. 
birthday Kazoo. That's as close as Is we're going to get. Is that the name of our new band? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, of course, well, our, our sponsor. Yes, Bart is hugging the portable TV, which I remember from this era. And, um, you know, I always it, wanted it one. Nice little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. That and like one of those little um, Jeeps that were battery operated. But the rich kids had him. Bart is hugging the TV and he swaps out for a book called Coping with Loss. Very so funny. funny. Love it. Um, and then we get a really fun, there's a lot of great sound effects in this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Marge's necklace comes off with a pop, pop, pop. <laughs> and, um, and then we cut to the next morning when they are all reacting to, um, you know, all of the, the burgled items. Yes, and it's very funny because we get uh, Homer reacting to each of them. Like, Lisa first comes out saying, just like, Dad, my saxophone was stolen. Woohoo! He's yeah. like, I'm TV uh, and my necklace. Eh. It's an heirloom. You probably Uh, have a whole drawer of them. Yes, but they're all heirlooms. And uh, we get that there's a a wonderful backstory of there being a gigantic ball, like a ball of string of these necklaces. The first of two giant balls of something (laughs) jokes in this episode. Yeah, you're right. But Bart is also upset about losing uh, one other thing. We have that clip right now. Burglar even took my stamp collection. You had a stamp collection? (laughs) (laughs) Stamp collection! (laughs) Bart's pain is funny, but mine isn't. That saxophone was my one creative outlet. It was the only way I could truly express myself. Shh, quiet, Lisa. Hey, the burglar left his calling card. You have just been robbed by the Springfield cat burglar. Cute. Idly ho, neighborinos. Can't talk. Rob, go hell. <laughs> you folks got robbed, too. The burglar took my shroud of Turin beach towels. Wow, it's a crime wave. Good Lord, my Storm and Norman commemorative plate stolen. Again. Hey, I thought I had more stuff than this. Barney, of course, wakes up naked. It's so good. I think it's so funny that the line about the stamp collection doesn't have any payoff other than that Bart is sad. It's so funny. Yeah, the joke is that Bart is sad and they all find it funny. I love a good everybody laughs at one member of the Simpsons family. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so we found that the the, uh, burglar uh, has continued to uh, cause wreck havoc, I guess. Um, I didn't realize how funny the uh, calling card thing was. Because as a kid, I just they said like, "Oh, he left his calling card," and I figured like, "Sure, that's a calling card." <laughs> I had not realized that, of course, normally when people do crimes, they leave like an actual like something specific right. to them, not a literal calling card. Like um, the, the wet bandits. I was gonna say Home Alone. Same with like trademark. Trademark. So this moment is so hysterically funny, and I just chatted Casey about it um, last night. By the way, one weird thing about my relationship with Casey, uh, which Alec um, will point out as being insane, is that he and I exclusively communicate via Gchat. You're the only one. Yeah, you're the, the only, only one. Person. <laughs> Everyone else, I text with. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I don't, I don't know why. You're the only person that I Gchat. Oh well, okay, I guess we could fix this. No, <laughs> Let's should not. I? Should I leave? Do you want to start Gchatting with us? Okay. It's like texting, but, but it's better. Okay, sure. I think it's like you can't search it. I think that there's less um, pressure with a G chat. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And then if someone does get back to you, it's like, what, it's G-Chat. I think the trends trends have moved away from G-Chat. I think that's why it's so cool. Yeah, you gotta bring it back. But anyway, I responded to this part. This is one of our sponsors as well, but this moment um, is so funny. Magic beans. Yeah, basically, Mm -hmm. the the leading up to it, I'm just like, you have, uh, you got insurance though, right? And then Marge is just like, why don't you tell the kids what you got instead of insurance? <laughs> Curse you magic beans. I know. And I think that joke was cut out of syndication. syndication. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Because yeah. it, it caught me by surprise when I was rewatching it. But it's it's such a it's just such a jokey joke and it's a throwaway, but I love that it's like the logic I wanna say that that this era of Homer and his idiocy, I feel like the writers' room for this particular season understood it so deeply mm-hmm. that it was you have to walk this line of him being idiotic and simplistic, a simpleton, without him being jerk ass Homer or without him being, you know, like mean about it. Like Ugh. he's just like his motives are all pure, but he's just a you know an idiot that is easily distracted. He got the magic beans to help his family. Yeah, that's right. That's but right. he's he's a total dope that would be sold. Like if if Homer was a real life person, he would be so deep in like five MLMs by now. <laughs> <laughs> be such a such a tragedy. There'd uh, be a podcast about it. Let's take a quick break to think about what jerkass Homer would have gotten instead of magic beans. Hmm. Hey everybody, this is J. Keith Van Stratton, host of Go Fact Yourself, a live game show here in the Maximum Fun Network. On Go Fact Yourself, we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. Oh, by the way, how much do you know about chicken husbandry? You gotta give them that grain. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Gotta give them that grain. And then smart again. What future Hall of Fame pitcher for the Cleveland Indians became the first active player to enlist? Bob Feller. Oh, okay. (laughs) We've got me co-host Helen Hong, plus celebrity guests and actual surprise experts. All right, we have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Is it Alan Avey? Helen, who do we have tonight? Alan Havey! Alan Havey! In the coming weeks, you can hear guests like Maria Bamford, Tom Bergeron, Paul F. Tompkins, Janet Varney, and Grant Imahara. Check us out on the first and third Friday of every month here on the Maximum Fun Network. He'd probably get a bean with his face on it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how or why, <laughs> but I you feel look, that. You look nothing like the beans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just feel like uh, Jerkass Homer would absolutely be uh, tricked into spending it on something, of course, completely selfish. Something that right, right, like is right. a yeah, like a Cop. car that doesn't have doors for his family members. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Um, I also want to say that you know uh, everyone listens knows that I love a good Chief Wiggum beat um or he gets practically the whole not b story but he gets a lot of beats in this episode um and we go from the simpsons house to uh the police station and you know they're getting the call from marge that there's been another uh you know burgled home and uh chief wiggum says oh well doesn't seem to be a pattern yet. And he goes to the board, the the map of the town, and we see like all of these fucking pins in the board. And, that random. Uh, and if I move this one here, it almost looks like an arrow. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's pointing at the police station, and they all run off. Doesn't he say? And I may have written this down. Uh, you know, I, I, and I forget if it is. 
um, Kent Brockman that says this, perhaps, around there, um, that Kent says, now I'm not saying this burglar is an inhumane wolfman. An inhumane monster like the wolfman. Yes, an uh, inhumane yes. monster. But I'm also not saying he isn't. <laughs> but he very well could be. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That is that is the correct quote. <laughs> it is it is such a funny thing. Anytime that Kent Brockman reveals his uh, odd... Uh, belief systems. He's which insane. Have, he yeah. is insane. Like the obviously, all of us love the um, the ant moment. Yes, yeah. Um, this is all the same type of thing. It like is. He he's just... kind of this like undercover Alex Jonesy kind of guy. Ooh. If you were to dig deeper, I feel like he's a kind of guy that he believes in like chemtrails and the grays. You know, uh, absolutely. Whatever yeah. is the most sensationalist, he yes. is right, just tr- tricked right, his right. brain into believing it because he knows that it's good for ratings. He's a big QAnon supporter. Um, so, <laughs> so speaking of like those very cartoonish moments, like the magic beans, this next part is unbelievably funny. Of uh, basically, everyone's trying to figure out how to uh, stop the burglaries from happening, and Frank has yes. a robotic house. This, this <laughs> to me is so Schwarzwelder. It seems so much like your type of joke. It's it's oh my god, it's so silly. So yeah, he's demonstrating <laughs> his new security system, which is literally <laughs> mechanical legs. That, so if it detects a burglar outside your house, your house stands up on these two legs and runs down the street to safety. And the way it runs is so silly. It's like a dinosaur. Yeah, like, well, like it's like a one of those Boston Dynamics. Yeah. They, you know those dogs that, that the robot yeah, dogs yeah, that you yeah. see the videos yeah, of. Yeah. The terrifying dogs, yeah. and the, somebody's trying to kick it over, and it can't be kicked over because it's so scientifically good at not being exactly. kicked right. over. And yeah, you're right. It absolutely looks like one of these. And then of course it. <laughs> immediately tips over, bursts into flames. Yeah. And <laughs> a tiny wooden family model, little models of the family spill out the window and they are also on fire. Yeah. To, which, to which Frank says, just like, well, the real family wouldn't uh, catch on fire quite so fast. Yes, I love that specific. But I also want to say that, you know, props to Reardon for directing this episode and, um, you know, the way that the house itself runs away, it looks like it's fleeing in embarrassment. It really it's does. True. It's just so great and so cute and funny. And it's such a wonderf- wonderfully strong joke on its own. And then they call it back. In the best way. In the best way. Where basically Bart is, uh, I assume, skateboarding down the street when he sees... Uh, <laughs> if he's the Bart I know, I assume he'd be skateboarding. I believe he's doing his Bart thing. And Screaming <laughs> cowabunga. Uh, just uh, not having any cows. Mm, no. Uh, so, All his uh, shorts eaten. Continue. <laughs> so Bart's son. Uh, I mean, Homer's. God damn it. Yeah. So, uh, who would Bart's son be? Anyway, mm. um, yeah, he he's just like, cool, uh, high-tech security system. And he uh, he tries to throw a rock at the house, and then a laser comes. Yes. Uh, but then you see that, that big house that has the legs start to run yeah, off. Yeah, next door yeah. has the, the front <laughs> security it. system. Which, of course, then breaks down and catches on fire exactly as predicted. In the middle of the street. And uh, they, they did spare us actual people on fire. Of course. Yeah. Which I yeah. think was a good choice. I think so too. <laughs> I, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Otto in this moment because he says <laughs> something that it mystified me and and just the fact that they kind of I will say created a new abbreviation. Um, Otto comes up to the laser house and he goes, whoa free laserium all the colors of the bow man. <laughs> As in rainbow. I was like wow good on you. And then of course Jasper gets his moment. Jasper's uh, so moment. fantastic. He gets zapped with one of the lasers in his eyes and he says my cataracts are gone and then it zaps back and he goes I'm blind oh well 
Easy come, easy go. So good. So willing to accept his fate. I love it. I love it. it. I I think we could all take a page out of Jasper's book. Mm -hmm. I think it's an excellent lesson. Let's all go blind. Let's all go blind. And then it's around here that we get our first introduction of Malloy. Mm. We go to the retirement castle. And um, everybody, you know, is still freaking out over, you know, all of the burgled items. And um, then uh, Malloy comes into Grandpa's room and he asks if he could borrow his ointment. Uh, And at first, Grandpa screams and he goes, ah, oh, it's you, Malloy. All right, you can. But this time, clean off the applicator. (laughs) So gross. But he seems like a sprightly, able-bodied old chap. Oh, sure. So uh, this now brings us to one of the funniest, uh, I think one of the funniest moments of the entire Simpsons history. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it starts with Homer uh, laying down the new family security rules. So let's hear that and see where that takes us. All right. These are our new family security rules. Be home before dark and make sure you're not followed. Lock all doors and windows. And don't take candy from strangers. Marge, they're only human. What's the point of all these precautions? I've already lost the only thing that matters to me. Oh, Lisa, stop pining for your saxophone. I got you another instrument. What is jug? <laughs> Lisa, never ever stop in the middle of a hoedown. <laughs> Oh, honey, I didn't realize how much that horn meant to you. Don't worry. Daddy's going to get it back. I don't know how, but I'll figure out something. Thank you. You know, Lisa, music helps Daddy think. Mm. (laughs) Oh, I love it. The, the animation of Homer thinking yeah, while dancing. while dancing is one of the better. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, pull it up on Frankie Eck, everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's truly so funny. And that's one of those moments where I I don't necessarily think that I remembered that it was in this episode. I was just so happy to see the jug make an yeah, appearance. Yeah, of course. The jug would be a good Halloween costume. <laughs> Think it ahead. A good couple's costume. Aww. Lisa and the jug. <laughs> does uh, does Stan Castellaneta, does he do the voice of Cletus? Because he does the best yokel laugh as Homer he really in does. this scene. Maybe. I don't know. I just it might be a Hank Azaria. He's I don't like know. 80%. Yeah. Listeners, let it's, us know. It's an excellent <laughs> laugh. It's so good. That he good. can only pull <laughs> off while listening to jug music. Yeah. <laughs> it brings out something in him. It's very <laughs> funny. Um, so Ned is trying to figure out, like, who's going to lead the group. Right. Uh, and someone just immediately says, you, you do it. He's like, oh, well, I don't really have the experience, of course, being modest. Yeah. Uh, someone then, else. Someone <laughs> else. Yeah. Uh, I'm someone else. He's right. <laughs> and then uh, that is how Homer uh, ends up being in charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get that great grandpa line with the kicked out the Irish, of yeah. course. Before that, he says, I'll, uh, Abe says, I'll join. I'm filled with piss and vinegar. At first, I was just filled with vinegar. Yuck. Really? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so it's basically this whole conversation of, like, you know, o- old people uh, and whether or not they're important. And we get a very uh, unfortunate tickling happening here. Uh, it's a form of abuse. It is yeah. a form of abuse. Um, I-, I put in my notes, I refer to it as cute tickling. Um, <laughs> aren't they? Old people are useless, yeah. aren't they? Tickle, tickle, tickle. <laughs> um, and then we get a lovely uh, Homer and Barney handshake, which is both of them kind of like upside down, shaking through. And now we have the secret vigilante handshake. Mm-hmm. Now everybody gets a nickname. Uh, I love if you want to walk through the some of the nicknames, uh, or I can... 
Oh, right. Oh, I totally forgot about this. Yeah, everybody's named after a a pool ball. Yeah. Cue ball, your eight ball, your 12 ball, and you'll you'll be two ball. (laughs) And then it ends just with Mo saying, you're an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I love this whole sequence. And we also get what could have been our almost sponsor when they take to the streets. And um, Homer grabs uh, Rapmaster 3000. I love how dated this. It's so beautifully dated. And the dancing is so good. It's so good. I mean, it is uh, basically, it kind of makes me think of um, the Mr. Microphone. um, Sure, yeah. You know, and so it's like, you know, broadcasting music as um, Homer is speaking through it. And it's very of the time. And kids even say, it's Hammer! (laughs) And they start, like, running toward the car and dancing and yeah like you do so if great. you hear rap music of you course. start dancing behind that the car is a that's social contract it. i believe we are all in casey <laughs> so this is the point where kind of as discussed in the wikipedia um entry that homer's group has really become more of a vigilante yeah. uh, thing and basically they're they're starting to take over other types of crimes and not solve this burglary problem and they come across uh jimbo jones i love and, this uh, this is a fun little b story it it is, yeah. yeah. Homer's relationship with Jimbo. He kind of takes <laughs> him under really his wing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the only interaction between these two. Yeah. Ma- I love that he is spray. They come upon him and he's spray painting Carpe Diem <laughs> onto the wall. <laughs> yeah. Of course, to offset the, um, you know, it being basically a crime. And um, they say to him, you better have a good reason for doing that, boy. It makes me feel like a big man. That's a good Jimbo. Let me let me see if that's in our list. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of my favorite lines in this episode: uh, "Can you swing a sack of doorknobs?" Yeah, and then he give him a sack. <laughs> you say you got to supply your own knobs. Yeah, love it. Yeah. So good. And and so now we cut to the uh, dinner table, mm. and I want to point out that the entire family is eating a gigantic Thanksgiving turkey. Yes, <laughs> that was. In the archives for design, Absolutely. Uh, so we have this clip of them at the dinner table. Let's take a listen. So I said to him, look, buddy, your car was upside down when we got here. And as for your grandma, she shouldn't have mouthed off like that. Dad, don't you see you're abusing your power like all vigilantes? I mean, if you're the police, who will police the police? Oh, Coast Guard. Homer, wasn't the whole point to catch the cat burglar? And I still don't have my saxophone. Lisa, the mob is working on getting your saxophone back, but we've also expanded into other important areas. Literacy programs, preserving our beloved covered bridges, world domination. World domination? Oh, hey, that might be a typo. Mental note, the girl knows too much. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> uh, we then get the wonderful smart line segment. Uh, I really like the outfit that Homer's wearing here. I yeah, love too. that he decides to go with a bucket hat as yeah. part of his vigilante <laughs> outfit. Um, and uh, yeah, this is when we find out that they are uh, causing more crimes than is being than than are being pre- prevented. And um, uh, Kent is kind of providing some facts and figures to mm-hmm. which Homer replies, you know, well, don't you know that 40% of people know that, like, figures are made up or whatever? Yeah. Um, and uh, this is when we get that great moment of the call-in show, which Casey mentioned earlier, of just like, and I mean first ever caller, because this is not a call-in show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's just so funny because it's just like... Uh, 
uh, it's your arch nemesis. And then, yeah, yeah yellow. <laughs> I like the way that it culminates, too. I don't know if we mentioned that um, once Homer realizes what's happening, he goes, why, you monster? And then we see him strangle somebody off screen. And then when we widen, it shows that it's just this, like, stage wiener manager. kid stage manager. So yeah. sad. <laughs> Who collapses to the ground unconscious and they proceed with the show. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, this episode needs to heighten in, you know, what the cat burglar is doing. And we get this sort of, like, tipping off what's going to be essentially our third act, that there is the world's largest cubic zirconia I love at the it. Springfield I, and Art this Museum. just ties right in with what I love about this episode and so many others and it's just about how awful and stupid Springfield is. And yeah. And Marge later uh, has that great line just cuz it relates of just like kind of pointing fun at poking fun at the episode itself. Just like I had no idea the town cared so much about the zirconia. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean, I I love the sly meta-ness of that. It's not full Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cuz like, you know, watching Batman or even something that's still a comedy like, you know, Powerpuff Girls, like anytime that there's something stolen, the whole town is up in arms where it's just like right. if something was stolen from Los Angeles, unless it was something that I personally was invested in, I would be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's gone now. Yeah, I guess that's gone. I even know when it, it comes to local voting, people are like, Shma. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be. I also want to say that I, I believe it's around this time in the episode when Homer um, talks to the cat burglar and he says, I'll be there night and day. Unless you want to tell me more and give me a precise time. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of how my thinking is, usually. Sure. Yeah. Uh, This is when the old people want to help. And, uh, you know, uh, Homer has to kind of level with Grandpa saying, like, okay, fine, stand still and don't steal anything. And immediately Mm -hmm. they start stealing something. It's like, what, it's our lunch break. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then there's a really wonderful winking and nodding exchange between Skinner and Homer. I believe it's a Dragnet reference. I looked it up. I did not get Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I I didn't either. It made me laugh, yeah, though. Yeah. I think that, you know, we often talk about there being, uh, of course, tons of pop culture references within The Simpsons, and usually um, the way that they bake it into the episode, you can kind of get that it's still a joke, even if you don't understand the source material. With this, however, uh, especially in this most recent uh, watching of it, it felt to me like you can only appreciate this. Like, you recognize it's a reference or something, but I right. think that you can only truly appreciate it if you knew the source material. I remember being a, yeah. a kid and watching it and thought it was funny that they were nodding back and oh, forth. Okay, and that's, gotcha. But that's the extent Same. of jo- joy right, I could right, get right, from right, it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Homer is uh, distracted from his post at this point when mm-hmm. he finds... And by the way, we're reminded that he's 36 years old, which is still very weird to me. I know, every but, time. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, he finds out that there are underage kids drinking beer without a permit. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we cut to him and uh, chug, chug, chug. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and then we get this wonderful uh, newspaper uh, spinning headline, uh, Asleep at the Switch, and let's play that clip. I wasn't asleep. I was drunk. I believe you, Dad. Well, no matter what the paper says, I still have a job to do. You let me down, man. Now I don't believe in nothing no more. I'm going to law school. No! Dad, maybe this will cheer you up. Oh, this doesn't work anymore. I didn't say stop. <laughs> yeah, I love it. God, that classic. Jug. But yeah, uh, that, that Jimbo Homer relationship is really touching and very sad. I yeah. love I love how devastated he is that he that Jimbo's deciding to go to law school. Yeah. I mean <laughs> real talk, if you were told that by your local no good teen. 
How would yeah. you feel? I'd be a little depressed. Yeah. Uh, so this Pursue is, your passion. Uh, amazingly, during all of this, Grandpa has cracked the case. <laughs> <laughs> he has. There's a great piece of direction here when Grandpa uh, shows up and he tells them who who the culprit is. Uh, when he says, I know who it is. And, and they're like, who? The family is saying who. And Grandpa says, oh, well. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, well. First yeah. I was a useless old person. But now the moment I know anything and then. The camera zooms out, and we see the family with their eyes at half mast, walking away, <laughs> bored. And like, oh, you come back, I'll tell you. <laughs> I do love. I think that part of the magic of Grandpa as a character is that he can so quickly oscillate from being this sort of like petty, you know, shitty bully in that way, you know, or or just leaning on the petty really, really hard. But then you see that flip of vulnerability, like, no, but I, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> he can only play his game so long. That's right. Yeah, he's not very clever in that way. But I love that. And I love the way that the family ignores him in that moment. Yeah. And uh, we, we get uh, Grandpa explaining that it was Malloy. And uh, uh, this, this line really is is truly so Swartzwaldery, the one that we talked about of just kind of like saying... Um, well, he, he goes through all of it. He says, you know, um, and that's when I noticed he had sneakers for sneaking. I, yes. <laughs> and there was something something strange about the way he walked, much more vertical than usual. Yeah. Like, it's truly And we see him, such... basically, he sends up a grappling hook and then walks along the side vertically of the building. And then the line of just like, and I noticed he had the world's biggest zirconia <laughs> on his coffee table. <laughs> yeah, the biggest one out of all the retirement community. I want to also say, and then this, you know, blends in with the DNA of... Uh, what we assume is John Swartzwelder's uh, inspiration of the old-timey radio programs, but it also feels to me a lot like um, like Rocky and Bullwinkle and oh, sure. those kind of shows of just being, which were essentially animated radio programs, mm-hmm. um, and it just feels in that sort of silly logic, it's it's following that really great tradition, and I don't know, it just, it, it really uh, signifies sort of a state of fun with the way that we're going through this mystery. Absolutely. Uh, so, Homer tries to be clever and is backed up by Skinner here, where he says to him, uh, well, it seems like the cat was caught by the very person who was trying to catch him. Well done. (laughs) How ironic. (laughs) Uh, And basically, this is when Molloy gives back uh, Selma's hair, uh, of Mm -hmm. the uh, the MacGyver hair, of course, which is the second ball, Mm -hmm. Um, Lisa Sachs. And then we get a very sweet moment of Lisa thanking Homer. which is very sincere. Like, she really did believe in him very much. Um, and then we get that great moment of, like, Malloy explaining, like, um, you know, like, I may have stolen your guys' stuff, but your town has stolen my heart. Aww. And it's like, he's so charming. Let him go. <laughs> Let him everyone, go. <laughs> everyone is so instantly on his side. And then a brief moment of Wiggum doing his job correctly. Yep. <laughs> say, Sorry, when you break the law, you got to go to jail. And then. And then immediately, Quimby handing him, here's your monthly kickback. Yeah. He just. You just couldn't have picked a worse time. Yeah, I love it so much. Yeah, and, and I do believe, I mean, for the most part, um, Chief Wiggum's ineptitude is, you know, part of his, like, most defining characteristic. And I believe him to be, like, on par with as dumb as Homer. Um, and I love it. But I do love these little, and I believe these little flourishes of when he's, like, really, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, gaining that kind of control of his life in that way. It's really fun. Yeah, he couldn't have picked a worse time. Uh, so uh, Homer's start singing uh, to Malloy in jail. Like, I caught the cat burglar, I caught the cat burglar. I and- love that they allow Homer 
were to be there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like how normal jails work. And this is when we really get that mad, 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 mad parody of uh, him explaining uh, that there's like a million dollars that are like buried under a big T, which we get a wonderful yeah. exploration of the town and all of the different big T's that there are. Yeah. Can I also say one moment before we launch into that? Uh, another great wake moment. One more. Yes, um, please. Uh, you know, Homer, they, they, everyone's listening to him declare that he's hidden millions of dollars somewhere in Springfield. And, you know, both Wiggum and Homer's eyes go wide. And Homer says, well, then I must go to my home now for sleep. Yeah. And Wiggum says, that reminds me, I must also go home for sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we see all the different uh, teas, and everybody comes back, the entire Sp- Springfield town now. And it's like, yeah, we're going to need better directions than that. <laughs> and he gives them an exact address. 4723 and, Maple Valley Road. And nothing. <laughs> and then uh, he starts to give directions, like you go on the 210. and then you make he, a left. A left. left. <laughs> um, and then you get that wonderful parody of what makes the movie actually seem fun. Everybody hopping in the different vehicles. I laughed so hard when Marge hops in that car. Yes. Yes. She just like swings off. Yeah, the we're just launching into absurdity. Nothing makes sense, and we're off to the races yeah. with this. Yeah, Barney and the twins are in the helicopter. Yeah. It's so for funny. some reason. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then we actually get Phil Silvers, who's mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah, um, and then uh, we get to Kent Brockman again, really quickly. Of him, sorry, Kent Brockman again, uh, saying, uh, "Would you say it's time to crack each other's heads open and feast upon the goo inside?" <laughs> yes, I would, Kent. <laughs> Great one-off character, God, just yeah. the, so the, the expert that they bring in to agree with Kent Brockman's insane theories. Absolutely. And they finally dig it up. Yes, they are under that T, the little palm tree, which is a direct right. parody here. And then we have that clip. Um, uh, so they're digging in the hole, trying to find um, trying to find uh, the treasure. And here's what we have. It's just a piece of paper. It's mine! Rightfully sorry, but there is no hidden treasure. I have already used this time to escape from your jail. Fondest wishes. Well, we can't make out the signature. Keep digging. We're bound to find something. Mm, I guess we're not going to find anything. Uh, how are you going to get out of here? We'll dig our way out. Now, uh, uh. no, dig up, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> dig up. <laughs> Such a classic line. Mm-hmm. It's funny when you don't really know who's dumber, like Homer or Wiggum or Barney. Like they all have or their this, own. Or the mayor. And this, or the mayor. Yeah. And they're all dog They find together. this note and it's just like, you know, you've been duped. Yeah. And Mayor Quimby says, well, keep digging. <laughs> There's yeah. bound to be something. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What would you say is the lesson from our conversation or the episode itself? The thing I was thinking about the most when I was watching this episode is the danger of militias. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just, uh, we kind of, we didn't really talk about it, but there's that great scene where they all have their guns. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Marge is saying, I don't think all of you should have these guns. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right, right. And then we get the, the great joke of the, all their gu- guns accidentally going off, including, yes. was it Moe's goes off twice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, you know, the punchline being, but Bart is also holding a gun. Of course. For me, it's just... Just uh, the 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 danger of of vigilante justice in general. Absolutely, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, I feel like I could guess, but if you had to choose one character in the Simpsons universe, uh, who would you say that you? I want to know what your guess is. 
I'll tell Ooh. you. I'll tell you after. Okay, okay. Yeah, my, uh, I did think about this, and it, and it's Santa's little helper. Oh, yay! <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. As, was it? Yeah, because I've I've given. Uh, I think I gave you a Santa's little helper doll. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. You. I think that you guys look alike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I'm touched. Yeah. That's like Thank you. Burns saying that one of the two hundred and one greyhounds <laughs> looks like what was it? Some old timey celebrity. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that. <laughs> I, I I very much relate to Santa's little helper, especially uh, in that one episode where he teaches himself to stand on his hind oh, legs and say "I love you." That's so sweet. yeah, that's me. I and love you. Well, Casey, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been an absolute treat. Um, where can people find you and whatever you're working on and uh, connect with you online? I am mostly just on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, at Casey B Boyd B O Y D, and then as you mentioned, uh, we have our album that we released. Yeah. Um, hopefully we'll make another one of those, but that Absolutely. album is at dogsongs.bandcamp.com. Is that Hell correct? Yeah. 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 And I love, uh, Casey has two songs on there, one about John Wick, and then what is the name of the other one that you co-wrote? Jenny's Midnight Screamatorium, <laughs> which is the name of the band that uh, my buddy Joe Butler and I have together. We're an old-timey megaphoning crew. Man, I am just outing myself <laughs> as a hipster. Right? I love it. Old-timey megaphone crooning band, and yeah, we wrote a song about Bummer. Bummer and Lazarus. It's so good. That you guys great. have to check it out. So go to uh, dogsongs.bandcamp and check out KCB Boyd on Twitter. Julia, where can you find you? Thanks so much for asking. I'm at Julia Prescott on all the things. Allie, where can people find you? Thanks so much for asking. You can find me at Allie Gertz and all the things. You can find us at Simpsons Pod. Mm-hmm. And everything's coming up. Simpsons is a production of Maximum Fun. Our show is engineered and edited by Jesus Ambrosio, and our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Swish. Smell you later. Smell you later. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.